Well, first of all, we had a great week. And let me just say this. I think it wasn't just a great week for us. It was a great week for Cornerstone. And so just thank you so much, all of you who served in all kinds of different ways and prayed for us and, and all the different aspects. Hey, buddy. Hey, come get your kid. It's my, it's my son. So it's... Love you, bud. Gosh, somebody teach them to parent. No, we just, it was such a good week, and it was so much fun just to have all the kids. It was a whole ton of energy. A mom came up to me on, the, on Friday night, and she's like, she doesn't go to church here, but she says, hey, I was just wondering, have you ever thought about doing this more like for like another two or three or four weeks? <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> don't say anything to anybody. But it was, it was a great week, and uh, I, I think there were so many highlights, uh, probably just seeing uh, kids be blown away at the greatness of God, seeing all the creativity around here. I mean, what VBS to show up and there's a giraffe life-size and a life-size elephant in the room, right? I mean, it's like, what in the world? Um, Where else do you go in which you realize that Terry acts more like a child than the rest of the kids that are there? I mean, it's like, so incredible. So anyways, uh, if you're here today and you came actually because your kid came to VBS, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, we're in the book of Isaiah, and I'm just going to spend a little bit of time today just opening God's word with you, and I'll put it up on the screen so that you can see it. Um, if your kiddos don't act perfect, um, we'll let you know. No, we won't. <laughs> welcome to the club. We're just stoked that we have little kiddos in here today, and it's, gonna, it's kind of a special time that we have where we remind ourselves that our kids, they're just as much created in the image of God as we are. And they uh, were so stoked they're in there. So all of you kids in here, we're glad you get to hang out with all the old people. Um, If you could, though, could you pray with me for this morning? And all of you kids in here, um, we're going to just talk to God. And uh, then we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about what is what does God teach us from his from his word today. So, Father, thank you for today. But thank you for this last week as well. Thank you for. All the things that, like Billy said, we won't even know until we see you in eternity one day. Thank you for the kids you've entrusted to us. I pray that we would honor you by how we raise them and teach them who you are. In your precious name we pray, amen. All right, here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna walk through some things. So all of you kids in here, what I want you to do is I want you to look at your parents right now and I want you to tell them, pay attention, okay? So go ahead, tell all your kids, say to your parents, say, pay attention, all right? Good, I heard a few of you, you you obey well. Now, what we've been doing in the book of Isaiah, it's been really fun, is that we've been kind of looking at this idea of a vision, and we don't mean vision where somebody's eyes rolls in the back of their head and they do funny things. We're talking about vision from the standpoint of a way of seeing the world correctly or in reality. And so this guy named Isaiah from a few thousand years ago had a vision from God in which he was allowed to see life correctly. Now, one of the things a few weeks ago that Christian taught us, and we'll just represent it this way, this chair is going to represent a throne is that in Isaiah 6, we were presented with a God who is huge. And this God that is huge sits on a throne, and it says the train of his robe fills this temple of his presence with glory, meaning this God is big. And the other word that we used, and if you're a kid here, I want you to say it with me. Ready? Here's our word. Ready? Can you say sovereign? Sovereign, a big word. It just kind of means, here's what it means. God's in charge. He is in charge, and he sits on this throne and all things accomplished because he sets out for them to happen. Now, the thing we learned last week, though, is about this thing called sin. And sin is a unique thing that is 
about this, and I would just put it this way, and this is our definition. So if you're a parent here, I think this is really important for you to have. Uh, We can define sin a lot of different ways, but this is kind of, I think, a helpful way of defining sin out of the book of Isaiah. And a lot of times we talk about sin, but sometimes we don't understand it. But sin is anything, and I would say this, any action, any speech, any thought, or any feeling that comes from the heart, the Bible talks about this place of our will, that does not trust God and instead chooses. And the word we used was de-God. It means to take God off his throne and to place something else on this throne in our head. Even though God's still on his throne, we place something else on this throne and we trust in it instead of him. That's sin. Now, I hope last week what you got, and I think this is the challenge just for you to look at your kids, whether they're old kids or young kids and everything in between, is to teach them the seriousness of this idea of trusting in any other created stuff outside of God. Because what we're going to look at today is this idea of sin, specifically its consequences. Now, let me just talk to you for just a second, all of you kids in here. Consequences is just be saying a big word for this. It's what happens after we sin. It's all the stuff that comes after. It's the, the result. Maybe you've heard that word before of sin. But in Isaiah, one of the things that we can see from this, and I'm just going to skip over those two, is this idea that when we begin to trust in ourselves, here's the word we're going to kind of talk about, is that we're like sheep, and here's the thing, we begin to wander all over the place. The idea that he uses in Isaiah 53 is we start to stray. We've turned everyone, and here's especially for us as parents as we teach it, we do our own thing, or in other words, we begin to trust created stuff we go our own way now that's kind of huge all right now the way that isaiah also or the the way the 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 hymn goes and i don't know if you've ever heard this hymn before kind of in all of us but this hymn come thou fount of every blessing has this line in here that i love that kind of encapsulates this thought where he says prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave what the god i love Now, anybody that's walked with Jesus long enough knows we are prone to wander. And in fact, in Isaiah, here's the question that gets asked, oh, Lord, why do you make us wander? Now, we'll explain this idea of make us wander here a little bit later. But he talks about from your ways and harden our hearts so that we don't fear you any longer. Isaiah was writing and asking the same question, why do we even wander? Now, again, when we put this all together, this is what's happening is that sin is, again, trusting in anything other than, than God, de-godding God, taking him off his throne and trusting in other stuff. And he goes on in Isaiah 59 to explain it this way. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. In other words, God can save us. He hears us. But look at this word, your iniquities. It's just another way of saying sin have made separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever felt this way before, but you wander and you wonder at the, at the end of the day, does God even hear me? This is now one of, I think, the big things, the consequences of sin. You'll see this a lot, like especially, and you parents can, can relate to this. We know that when we see our kids wander, how hard it is for us. Now, again, as they get older and they begin to wander, it's a harder and a harder thing. But we understand this idea of God looking at it and seeing people wander from him, going off into other things, pushing towards other stuff that they begin to de-God God and put this in their life, how much of a heartache that is. Now, again, what it begins to do in us is we begin to understand then why does God hate sin? Well, here's the first reason. Are you ready for this? 
The first reason that God hates sin, and you can just see this through the book of Isaiah, he hates sin because it separates us from him. Now, again, you as a parent understand this, don't you? That as we watch our kids go far from us, how hard it is, and God hates that. Now, what other things are? Now, what I'm going to do to you is I'm just going to read to you this big, long thing, and then I'm going to explain it to you. So all you kids right now, are you with me? Look at your parents and say, Mom and Dad, pay attention to these verses. Go ahead. Tell them. Good. All right. Now they're paying attention. Here we go. Once we begin to wander, here's kind of, and I would say this, the results of what happens with sin. After a while, our feet begins to run to evil. We're, sh- we're, we're swift to shed innocent blood. Our thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in our highways. The way of peace we don't know anymore. After a while, there's no justice in our path. We've made our roads crooked. No one treads on them or knows peace anymore. Justice begins to get far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us anymore. We hope for light, and behold, what we find is darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in the gloom. We grope for the wall like blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight among those in full vigor. We're like dead men. Let me just go back to that real quick. How many of us have ever felt in that moment that we get down that path of sin, we just feel like dead people? See, he's laying out consequences, the results, the stuff that comes from sin. He goes on in verse 11, and I love this word. I love the imagery that he gives. We growl like bears. He explains it. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there's none. For salvation, but it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. In other words, we know we're in a mess. Now again, keep this in your head. He's laying out this progression of what happens with sin because oftentimes we don't understand that we're not trusting God, but we see the results of not trusting God. And in his last verse, verse 13, transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart, lying words. In other words, once we get there, it is a mess. How awful. So why does God hate sin? Let me just give a few of you. God hates sin because it separates us from him. God hates sin because it blinds us to reality. I always tell people whenever I get into sin or whenever you get into sin, we enter into what I call stupid world. Up is down and left is right and right is left. It becomes a mess. Another thing is is because sin enslaves and eventually destroys us and others. I think as you look around our world, because sometimes this is personal, maybe just for a second if I could talk to you parents, We look around our world right now and all of us, I think, can confess whether we're talking what Cynthia is doing in Nepal, watching as just the decay of of society as it begins to fall apart to where we begin to treat young girls like they're slaves. Even within our culture right now in the United States, we just know something's wrong. In other words, things just begin to get worse and worse and worse to the point where eventually it erodes our love and affection for God and eventually it begins to erode our affection for others. I was meeting with somebody this week, a guy that doesn't know Jesus, and he said, if you looked around our world and just felt like the fact that we don't love or even care about each other anymore, and I would say it this way, the moment any person or culture looks at God no longer is on his throne ruling and instead begins to put other created stuff on there, this is just the thing that starts to happen. So is everybody with me? 
It's just the consequences, the results of the outcome of sin. It becomes a mess. So a way to put it, is that in our nation, a consequence of it might be the fact that we are killing millions of little babies all the time through abortion, right? That would be a consequence of no longer having God on his throne. Another consequence might be this idea. I was listening to this talk radio from a conservative guy, so I'm going to pick on now on the other side of it. Here was his statement. This conservative guy said, greed is good. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, we love him, don't we? Except every time on there, he tells us to sin. Greed is good. Well, let's pick on the other side now. The moment that we get sometimes in there, we, we've now landed in a place within California and the amount of homelessness that's out there. Generally, what we do with homelessness, right, is we take them and we put them in these little ghettos and we give them nice little goodies as we trap them in that particular place, missing the fact that God did not create people to go to ghettos. God has created people to have life and to work. And now, all of a sudden, we've got all these people out there. What are we going to do with them? Well, this is the consequence of sin. Even to the point where I would say immigrants cross our borders all the time and we look at them as a problem and somebody that's getting in the way of our goodies and us being happy and content and satisfied or maybe even making us unsafe, missing the fact that those people are just as created in the image of God as the rest of us and we forget and lose sight of the fact that somehow in there when we begin to worship created stuff and we put it on the throne, we don't care about people anymore. That's kind of where it gets. That's the consequences or the results of sin. Now, for some of you, you're like, how dare you talk about that's what I believe in. Or maybe you're on whichever side it is that you're thinking it. But the thing that we're just saying is, is within us personally, in our culture, if we're not careful, we can get to the point where we love created stuff more than we love God or more than we love people. Everybody with me? Okay. Well, that's why I think I've got good news for you. In Isaiah 64, it says, We've all become like one who's unclean, and all our unrighteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. In other words, after a while, everything can become a mess. But, children, look at your parents and say, There's good news. Good. Great job. There's good news. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that we have compassion on him to our God. Look at this. For he will abundantly pardon. Even though every one of us in this room trusts in other created stuff and not God. And think about this. All day long, every day, humanity is trusting in themselves and not in God. And look at that word, but he will abundantly what? Pardon. That is great news. That's amazing news. In fact, Isaiah even says in there, I know this doesn't make sense, but my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. This whole idea of a God that pardons people is amazing. And let me just say this. I know a lot of us have been in church for a while, and we've heard this idea of God pardoning over and over again. But just for a second... Isn't that kind of amazing? 
This God that all humanity's shaken their fist for hundreds and thousands of years, billions of people have told him this, and yet our God pardons should cause the church to yell, Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to get better here. Not only that, but even in the midst of the difficulty, it was for welfare that I had great bitterness. He's, he's talking about this idea. In other words, we went through difficult times. In love, you've delivered my life from the pit of destruction. He's saying he understands all these things going on, the decay of the world, sin everywhere, but God has allowed this to happen so that we would see that only God can deliver my life. It's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, is this great God is one that has sometimes allows us to go through difficulties, even difficulties not of our own making, but it's to cause us not to trust in ourselves, but in God who will deliver us and he'll deliver us again. In other words, our God not only pardons us, but here's the word. Everybody ready? Kids, you ready? I want you to say back to me, God saves. Ready? God saves. So here's the second thing. God saves. Number one, he pardons. And number two, God saves. He goes on and he says it in there. How does he save? He says, you've cast all my sins behind your back. Now think about this. This is what he's talking about. Imagine this was all your sins, all the times you trusted in yourself and not God. He takes all these things, and I love the image of this. You ready? In other words, it's done. So not only does he now pardon, and not only does he save, but he takes our sin and he says he throws it over his back. Here's another one. I, I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I don't even do it necessarily for you. I do it for me. And I will, here's your thing. I will remember your sins no more. Now, it doesn't mean God's forgetful. It means he won't bring it up against you. I remember when I was a kid, I used to love reminding my sister how awful she was. She picked on me, hurt me, beat me. In fact, even as an adult, I'll walk in and say, you were terrible to me as a child. And then I send her my bill for counseling. God does not do that. God doesn't keep bringing it up. Once it's done, it's done. He says not only that, but all of that stuff that even though it stains us, that sin, I'm a God that can actually wash it all away to where not only I forget it, but you now, look at this, become like wool. You become clean. In other words, we're all these sheep that have gone astray, everyone to his own way, but here's the greatest news in the world. How does he do it? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How did he do it? Jesus died and bore our sin, our not trusting him, but trusting in created stuff. Now let me talk to you that maybe don't know Jesus. This is the gospel, the good news. The good news that our God is great and he's on his throne and he rules. Humanity has rebelled against him for thousands of years, and yet for years and years, he's desired to be near them. And when people cry out to them, he is not far from them and calls them to himself and pardons them and saves them and removes their sin completely. And he did it all through the work of one person, 
Jesus Christ. The greatest news in the world. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> it's because I did your premarital counseling. Even your children are turning out great. My goodness. Wow. No, maybe he's going to be a preacher. That's awesome. He saves. Now, again, sometimes some of you might be sitting there going, I've heard this before, but shouldn't we never stop being blown away by this? That our God, several hundred years before Jesus showed up as a sovereign God, orchestrated all things so one day this one that would come, Jesus Christ, who John the Baptist looked at in a very powerful way and said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus Christ came and lived the perfect life and died on the cross, all of that sin, that not acknowledging God, that placing created stuff or me on that throne, Jesus came and when he died, it allowed God to take our sin and throw it over his back. And we're not even done yet. Because this child that he was talking about, because I want to make sure you understand all the good news. Matthew alludes to this one, but it says a child is born. Isn't that crazy? All of our problems in the world were solved by a child. God in his just absolute grace and goodness took a child and look at this. A son is given and the government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And look at this very last statement. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, let me put this together for you. A long time ago, two people, Adam and Eve, sinned and sent all of creation into chaos. But yet God kicked into action with a salvation plan in which he was going to call people to himself, even though all of humanity that were born afterwards kept shaking their fist and trusted in created stuff and not him. They took God off the throne. They degotted him in their thinking. And they began to go and wander and become wayward all over the world. In the person of Jesus, though, he came and he began to be the one that could absorb that sin. He absorbed that sin on our behalf. And in fact, it says the father poured out his wrath. He then, here's the crazy part, after he died, he rose again demonstrating that he truly was not only a man, but fully God, went back to the heaven, sent his Holy Spirit down upon a group of people called the church. And now the church, like Cynthia, is going all over the world and telling the greatest message ever, we have a God that throws our sin over our, his back. And one day, this king, this little boy, will not come back as a servant. He is coming back as a king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will rule and reign on this earth, never ever to have a time again where sin will exist. We will finally now forever and ever have this moment in which King Jesus will reign forever. Isn't that great news? So if you don't know him here today, that's what we did all week at, at, at Vacation Bible School. We helped people understand who's the rightful king. And if you don't know him today, we would love to talk to you about what does it mean to be the rightful king. Now for all of you in here that do know him, let me just say this one last thing. 
If Jesus Christ truly is the rightful king and he reigns over all things, and he has called us now to tell the whole world about the fact that he is the king and he's been demonstrated through his death, burial, and resurrection, I think the greatest thing to do now in light of that is to be a group of people that go tell. I think we're supposed to go tell people this week. I think we're supposed to announce that King Jesus reigns. He sits on his throne. He's defeated sin and Satan and death and anything that's ever stood before God. And so church, those of you that know Jesus, I am reminding you of the greatest message ever that you might go this week and tell everyone that you encounter, King Jesus reigns. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, stand up. I'm going to have Billy lead us in a song. And all of you kids that are down there, let me just say this. Your parents, you did a good job keeping your parents in this. Good job. Great job. But all of you in here, I'm just glad Jesus forgives others when they've sinned against us. But church, King Jesus reigns. King Jesus reigns. And we're going to sing a song here coming up about it. And it's kind of a little bit more, it's not a fully like crazy song. But if we don't sing it like King Jesus reigns, I'm going to make us start over until we sing it like we're supposed to. And so right now, let's sing as if we have a Savior that forgives sins and pardons, that throws sin over his back, and that's coming back one day to set all things straight. And all God's people said, Amen. all right. <laughs>